Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac... Hold on. I'm going to keep the jingle bells going for a little bit longer. My arm got tired during the intro. Uh, on, this intro is on this edition, let's talk about holiday ghost stories. Is that enough for the bell? I think that's enough for the bell. Hold on. I wanna, all right. Thank you, bell. All right. There we go. Yeah, let's talk about Hollywood ghost stories. That's right. It's holidays. It's December. We've made it. Boy, it sounds weird. Hopefully this sounds okay. We've made it. So, um, yeah, let's get in some shout-outs. Let's do the thing that we always do. Shout-outs first. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for all your Paranormal Almanac needs, including bonus episodes. I'm working on a uh, holiday episode. Hopefully I can get that done right now. I'm still finishing up that uh, horrifically tedious um, Black Dahlia video for everybody, but the patrons will get it first. Uh, so yeah, shout outs going out to Richard Powdrell. Hey, howdy, hi, Logan, Lori, Alec, Roger Funk, Karen, Ethan, Duran, Nikki Loves James, Lori, Alicia, Rebecca, and Stephen Share. Hey, howdy, hi, thank you so much for the card. Jennifer, Heather G, your festive neighborhood. Oh God, hold on, I need the, hold, hold on, I need the, uh, I need the jingle bells. I didn't know there was going to be more, more uh, stuff included in this. Let's, uh, let's open this back up. Here we go. Your festive neighborhood skinwalker. There we go. Zuzus, what's it? Nico sharing the mouse. Thank you so much for the cards. Really appreciate it. Mark and Tina Tortuga, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy Tracy. Hey, howdy, hi. Thank you for the awesome gift. Virginia Mailman, Tony the Magician. Jason, Vicky Crow, Clay, Buzz, Lobita Works, Glacier Main, Isabel, Jen, Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Kelly Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick Ass Magic, Robot Webcomic. Sandy, Paige, Couch, Bentman, 666, Scott, Andrea, Melody, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Becca, Jake, Charlotte and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Sherry, Art Muffin, Tim, Kenneth, Ricky, Ricky Ricardo, that is. Ooh, I got to tell you a quick story about Ricky Ricardo. So I'm walking around, uh, around the block and there is this tiniest little headstone, like maybe two inches tall that someone had obviously made. And it had um, like... 3-1-2023 to 12-1-2023, R.I.P. Ricky Ricardo. So I'm hoping, I'm assuming it's not the same Ricky Ricardo. If it is, I, uh, you come talk to me as a ghost. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say it's not because you're so small, Ricky. I mean, it's the tiniest little headstone. Anyhow, uh, back to the shout-outs. Alexandra, George, Zozo the Demon. Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Paula, Jerry, Jeff, Joe, Lawrence. Happy holidays to thee, Lauren Strong, Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Ryan loves Milena, Jade, Nanashi, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson. Don, nope, Dan. Whoa, my God, I'm losing my vision. Laura Pitts and the amazingly, the awesome, the one, the only gamer fan oh there's more settings hold on let's see what this one does what the hell is that supposed to be that's supposed to be maracas sounds like i'm making a drink real quick for gamer fan hold on let me shake up your martini there what other options have they got tambourine nah it's rattlesnake sounding shaker eh it's all right space water what in the hell is space water all right this is kind of fun though space ice cubes I am, I'm, I'm, I, all right, I, I swear I'm done with the with the jingle app. And, of course, we got Rum trying to get up on my lap. Hey, howdy, hi to Rum. Hi, sweetheart. Yes, I love you very much. You're a good girl. And two special shout-outs to Joe Teague and my boy Stitch. All right, good girl. Hop down. There's my girl. Let's get right on in to Paranormal News. Ghost 
awesome the amazing buzz on that one so good oh here's a quick buzz story um i got i got dinged on my youtube channel my new paranormal almanac youtube channel head on over to youtube.com slash paranormal almanac oh i'm not recording video well, it's too late now i'm like five minutes into this episode too late um six minutes into this episode but i, I got dinged on my youtube channel i was like what what for copyright what are you talking about turns out it's because i played buzz's song um you know on my on my episode. But that's okay, Buzz. I'll let you have that video. The rest of them are mine. No, I just thought it was funny. I'm not mad at you at all. All right, the first story in paranormal news comes to us from the Jerusalem Post. It says, UFO enthusiast, alien spotted watching NASA probe on Mars? The self-proclaimed UFO and alien expert Scott Waring says a NASA image depicts a small, indistinct figure with a pink body sitting on Mars. I swear to God, if this... this article doesn't have that photo, I'm going to be so angry. UFO enthusiasts and researchers are convinced they have discovered an alien in an official NASA image. The image in question depicts a small, indistinct figure with a pink body situated on the rocky surfaces of Mars. Although NASA released the original image in April of 2021, the supposed extraterrestrial sighting was only found in 2022 by Scott Waring. Waring said, everyone here knows I love to comb through NASA photos. Well, I came across something unique, something that is 100% proof of intelligent life. There's a person laying down watching the NASA Mars rover from a safe distance away. The person is about one foot tall and is laying down pinkish upper chest, neck and face. Radish hair? It says radish, like the vegetable. Radish hair, wearing a dark suit but has a gray object over one shoulder. Looks like a backpack of some sort. I already know this photo is going to be bullshit. There are even footprints behind the person leading up to the location they chose to lie down at. Okay. Where is the photo? It says that he meticulously analyzed this photo, and it will blow my mind. Based on his observations, he concluded the creature captured in the image. Um, I don't, it's the same crap over and over again. Where is this photo? So it's on his blog, and I click open link, and it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, am I going to have to try and search for this stupid photo? I just want to see how dumb it is based on what he's saying, what he's describing. I'm going to say, no, no, you didn't. Mars alien photo. All right, Scott wearing Mars alien photo. Nothing even remotely yet. All right, let me click on images. Just start searching. Ah, here we go. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's not... It's a rock on a rock from like 100 miles away. Like, it's stupid far away. There is no... There's no radish hair, I can tell you that. Uh, CNET has another thing saying, no, the reclining quote-unquote alien figure in NASA Mars rover image isn't proof of life. This person, Amanda Cooster, says she thinks it looks like a shirtless Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, okay, you know what? Now I'm convinced. Fucking Jeff Goldblum got to the moon. And you know what? Or got to Mars. And you know what? I'm happy for him. If anybody should get to Mars first, it should be Jeff Goldblum, and he should lie down a la Jurassic Park with his shirt open. It's a whole lot of stupid. Whole lot of stupid. So I'm going to move on to the next story because that one is just dumb. That's a, that's the first debunk. Oh, I got I was going to do this the other day. I wanted to get like a little, when I press one of these buttons, you know, like one of these, one of those buttons, I wanted a button that was like, 
debunked. Womp womp. Like one of those kind of things. I got to get one of those. Uh, up next in paranormal news, UFOs. How astronomers are searching the skies for alien probes near Earth. All right, we all know about the Pentagon report, so I'm going to skip all of that. Um, let's get to the, come on, get past this stuff. Here we go. How can we test whether there are extraterrestrial probes near Earth and whether they can be tied to the possible UFO phenomena? Well, there are many options. Analyzing materials from potentially crashed UFOs could give irrefutable proof. Well, yeah, you would have a crashed UFO. But this would require state-of-the-art techniques to determine if these wrecks exhibit exotic or distinctly different characteristics of manufacture. Obtaining such exotic samples, if they indeed exist, may prove challenging. They're rumored to be in the hands of private companies or the government itself. In the projects I lead, we are searching for artificial non-human objects by looking for short light flashes in the night sky. Short flashes typically occur when a flat, highly reflective surface, such as mirrors or glass, reflects sunlight. It could also, however, result from an artificial object emitting its own natural or, or no own internal light. So basically, I'm skipping ahead. This guy's taken way too long to say, here's what we're doing. We're looking up in the sky. We're trying to find a bunch of short bursts. And when we do, we go, hey, what was that short burst? Let's investigate that. Oh, it was Starlink satellites again or whatever the hell thing's called. What about that one? Oh, that's just a bird. Okay. Oh, what about that one? That's a firefly. That's what he's doing, and he's hoping one of them will turn out to be alien probes. All right, you know what? Good on him. At least he's looking up. If more people looked up into the sky, more UFOs would be spotted. But no, we're all looking down, facing our phones, trying to get through this horrible simulation that's called life. Um, yeah. Up next in paranormal news, Ver Vermont Conservations. Nope, not even close, Kurt. Let's try that again. Vermont Conversations. There we go. Garrett Graff on UFOs, conspiracy theories, and the fate of civilization. The story of the hunt for quote-unquote them is mostly accurately a story about us, he says. Um, are we alone? That's a good question. He doesn't have the answer. I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't have the answer. Uh, he's a Burlington resident. He spent nearly two decades covering politics, technology, and national security. He's the former editor of Politico, contributor to Wired and CNN, and now he's on the hunt for quote-unquote them. He's conceded that UFO conspiracies have a basis in fact. The landscape of UFO history is littered with actual government cover-ups. Some cloak of this secrecy is just the government's own projects, such as drones and new aircrafts, but I don't really see any meaningful evidence that the government is knowingly covering up that type of conspiracy about aliens and other lives. Well, this guy's an idiot, and I'm done with that article. And then two... Boy, I was so I was so happy to see all of these articles um, pop up all about like UFOs. I'm like, yeah, finally, there we go. Let's do this. Blah blah blah. Um, no, so far none of these articles have been even remotely interesting. All righty, let's wait for this next one to open up. Next up in paranormal news, powerful members of Congress are dead set on killing UFO transparency. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, let's see. They are saying, unfortunately, that's way, way too true. I 100% believe that. They say that nearly all these individuals also claim the government transferred multiple crafts to defense contractors of, of, for scientific and technical analysis, but even though a bunch of Congress finds these extraordinary allegations credible, bipartisan legislation sponsored by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer aimed to establish a process with, obviously, you know, open transparency, but it states that the House House Republicans are also attempting to kill another common sense bipartisan measure passed by the Senate, which I was proud to co-sponsor to increase transparency. So the government is inviting, basically, and this inviting is going to stop the little bit of government transparency we have on UFOs, because as you all know, if you're a regular listener or just paying attention to life itself, the government is, hasn't been exactly forthright with all of the information they've been given, especially during these House meetings, and now it seems like the infighting is only going to make that worse. Great. Love it. Let's keep moving on here. Let's go on to the next story in Paranormal News. The UFO panel, Recovery Rules Cuts from Defense Funding Bill. Ooh, what's this mean? 
Congress seeking info about alleged UFO crash retrieval programs have, oh, they've been cut from the defense funding bill. Oh, that's not good. Two for two for not good for transparency. So it sounds like, yeah, I mean, basically the, the, the bulk of this thing is all about that House meeting and about what the government hopes to get from UAPs and why they're called UAPs. But it sounds like uh, budget cuts are also going to stop transparency. So two for two for no transparency for us. All righty, up next in Paranormal News, CIA's secret office retrieved UFOs from nine crash sites around the world. Interesting. The CIA of the United States has a secret unit known as the Global Access, Office of Global Access, the OGA, which has been retrieving several crashed UFOs, unidentified flying objects from across the world. At least nine such non-human craft have been collected by the, top, the agency in top-secret operations. The outlet further uh, said in its report that while some of the UFOs are damaged from crashes, at least two are intact, the OGA, which comes under CIA's Science and Technology Directorate, has played significant roles since 2003 in collections of aircraft believed to be non-human. I've never heard of really the OGA. Like, also, this, this article doesn't have a slightest bit of proof that there are nine UFOs or where they got this information of, from or, you know, how are they breaking this story. So without a lot of details, as you know, I like to move on. And plus, I want to get to the, uh, the, you know, the holiday episode. Up next in paranormal news, America's most haunted house, The Conjuring House, owners say spirit's okay after the fire. Uh-oh, that's right. Uh, just last week, no people or spirits were injured in a fire on the property of The Conjuring House, according to the property owners. We're all safe and staying positive at this time. The house itself is fine, and the spirits within are all okay. A barn on the property caught fire early Monday morning, but the house itself was not damaged. The farmhouse, built in 1736, was made famous in 2013 when the movie The Conjuring... Well, it was made famous prior to that. Um, it's since been called one of the most haunted places in America. The homeowners credit staff and firefighters for controlling the fire. Thankfully, staff jumped straight into action, and firefighters were able to contain and put out the flames. We're unaware of the cause at this time. We hope to find out more soon. The structure is standing and we're awaiting information regarding next steps for repairs. We appreciate all the love and support being sent our way. Well, here's some more love and support being sent your way because that's horrific and they seem like lovely people and I can't wait to go and visit it one day. So please be safe. I'm glad that you're okay. I'm glad the house is okay. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that everybody did the right thing and got that put out quick. All righty, up next in paranormal news, mythical creatures found at Legends of Bigfoot. Uh, there's a new roadside attraction over in Garberville, California. An elusive creature known as Bigfoot has been spotted roaming the redwood forests of Humboldt County for decades. Few have seen it, but just around a hairpin, a corner on the 101, there's a very good chance you'll see a creature at the Legend of Bigfoot store in Garberville. It's just a roadside attraction that sneaks up on um, up on you on every corner, said General Manager Mike White. The legend of Bigfoot is pretty much what you think it is, a store that sells Bigfoot stuff. On a weekend, we can see 2,000 or 3,000 people stop in. There's no doubt you'll find Bigfoot here. But he says you'll also find some of Bigfoot's other friends, like Shrek the Ogre, a giant dinosaur, and a big, fat, photogenic bear. All of them are sculptures. All of them? All of them are sculptures made by chainsaw artists, and they're hiding all over the property. It's a picture opportunity. A lot of people come up here just to take pictures. Well, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. Oh, it is cool looking. You know what? Good on them. Next time I'm in Garberville, I'm stopping by because that seems cool. All right, let's keep going here. Up next in paranormal news, there's a Bigfoot encounter in the Adirondacks last year, and it deserves another look, it says. This comes from us to uh, from WIBX. 106.9 FM. In my usual uh, quest for the latest cryptozoology news, because I only care about important issues, I stumbled upon a rather interesting Bigfoot, Bigfoot encounter that took place in October of 2022. Surprisingly, it appears to have slipped under the radar. But I find it deserving of more explanations. So let's get squashy. All right. 
This one happened in Gabriel's, New York, Franklin County. A Paul Smith's college student who wishes to remain anonymous reported witnessing an imposing figure from the window of his lab building. The size of the entity immediately, immediately rules out any human resemblance. The observer thought it initially to be a figure wearing a large fur coat before realizing the fur covered its entire body. The height was estimated to be around 8 to 10 feet compared to the height of a, the 30-foot electrical pole it was walking under. The figure with its back turned to the witness appeared to be leisurely strolling northward, northward beneath the power lines. Well, where's the photo of it? I want to see this. This sounds great. Unfortunately, the witness didn't take any photos, which is probably why this encounter flew under the radar. Kurt here, yeah, it's exactly why. But it's still intriguing. Was this hairy hominid roaming the Adirondacks or just a large electrical line worker? Hard to say. Really? Come on, people. Don't talk to me about Bigfoot unless you got photos of Bigfoot. Even the Bigfoot store in Garberville had photos of Bigfoot. Come on. All righty, up next in paranormal news, McDonald's to launch Cosmics. C-O-S-M-C, Cosmics, an alien-inspired restaurant serving slushes to go. All right, I'm in. I, I, I want everything about it. Um, That's about it for the story, really. I want more of that. I want to wait. Hold on. There's got to be another story about Cosmics. Um, there's got to be, like, locations. Here we go. Here's what's on the menu at McDonald's new Cosmic spinoff restaurant. Is a beverage concept with a menu designed to be catered to what customers are looking for in an afternoon pickup. Pick me up. There's no Big Mac or fries, but Cosmics will have a large array of beverages and treats with bold and unexpected, unexpected flavor combinations, vibrant colors, and functional boosts. Um... All right, yeah, where's where's a Cosmics at? I want to go to a Cosmics and get my photo taken. You can see the full Cosmics menu here. All right, I will. They got uh, Sour Aids, Sour Cherry Energy Burst, Blueberry Ginger Boost, Island Pick-Me-Up Punch. Look, they all look really tasty, and I really want one right now, but uh, where where is one? The 10 Cosmic locations that will open up through the end of 2024 will be smaller than the full-fledged McDonald's, with some featuring multiple drive through lanes. They'll primarily be located across the Dallas, Fort Worth, and San Antonio areas. Damn it. Oh, means I'm probably not going to a Cosmics because um, I never get out that way. All righty, that about does it for Paranormal News. Uh, let's uh, wrap up the old Paranormal News bag and let's get right on into this episode. Well, kind of let's get right into this episode because before we do it, it's almost time. Have you guys been keeping up or keeping track, I should say, keeping tabs on my 2023 predictions I made back in January? Hold on. I need it. I need, I need, there we go. Remember back in 2023 in January, I made some amazing predictions. Some have come true. Others were all praying don't come true. But... Have you been keeping tabs on them? Because the 2024 prediction episode is coming up soon to see A, how I did in 2023, and B, compare my, this big air quotes I'm doing right now, I should have this video, my abilities to quote real psychics. Look, last year, when I wasn't even really trying, when I just kind of threw out some random stuff, not last year, the year before, 2022, when I just kind of threw some random stuff out, I did better I had better averages on my predictions than most celebrity psychics that do this every year. So I'm very eager to see how it, you know, how it goes this time. I know, I know the queen's dead. I, I did that one. I didn't do that one. I didn't, no one come after me. I didn't do that one. I just meant I predicted that one. I think Bob Barker was on there. I think, I'm pretty sure I said something about like a celebrity sitcom star dying. So if, if I did, I'm sorry, Matthew Perry, because you were awesome. Alrighty, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't worry, that's coming up. That episode's going to be the first week of January. So uh, I got to find that episode, listen back to what I said, and you should too. Let's, let's, let's brush up together so we can talk about it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Paranormal Almanac. We are back. Look, I've been told by T Public that if you go to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac, you still have a chance for uh, Christmas uh, delivery. 
So if you order some shirts from Paranormal Almanac for any of your paramaniac friends, family, fiends, whatever, you know, send them some stuff. Uh, It'll still get there by Christmas, supposedly. So now's your chance. Do it. Hurry. Run. All right. I'm just gonna, I was just going to talk about something, and I don't remember. Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about a holiday episode. That's right. So thanks to my, my uh, day job, I will have a week off, the Christmas week off. So I figured, well, I got Christmas week off. Why not do a holiday episode? Why don't we do a live holiday episode? Actually, this, I gotta, I'll be honest. This was Tim Bentley. He said, you know what you should do? You should do a, a holiday episode. And I was like, that's a damn good idea. I'm going to do that. So, Tim, I'm taking your idea and I'm running with it. We'll do a holiday episode. Um, I did a holiday theme song. If I could find it real quick, I'll even play it for you. Uh, Let's see. Where would it be? I don't know. Yeah, maybe here. Let's see. If I can get this to play, you can have a sneak peek at the Paranormal Christmas theme song or our Paramaniacs holiday theme song. I don't know. I haven't named it yet. Let's see. Is it going to play? It might not play. Oh. I haven't added the overdub stuff of like, ho, 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 welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your holiday host, Kurt Sandvig and Rum. It's something like that, you know. You'll get the, it'll be more festive. Maybe I'll make the voice deeper so I sound more like Santa. Shut up, Kurt. Enjoy the music. Don't worry, it's almost over. I wanted a big flashy ending. I would fade it out right around there. Anyway, so there you go. There's your sneak peek at the Paranormal Almanac holiday song um, for the holiday episode. So I'll have I'll put out something on the, like an invite to the to the patrons, and I'll put it up on the Facebook fan page, and I'll announce it probably on the next episode what the date will be. But it'll be sometime in the week of uh, Christmas, Christmas week, since I'll have the day job off. Thank you, day job. Gotta love that. I mean, that's that's exactly what I want. A little bit of break, a little bit of rest. Not going anywhere. Rum and I are just going to hang out, and we're just going to enjoy the the uh, the holidays together. But I figured I'd like I'd much rather enjoy the holidays with some paramaniacs. All righty, let's get right into this episode. We are back, like I said. Let's kick off December with some true holiday ghost stories. Here's how this episode came about. Obviously. It's December, so I was like, well, I should probably do like a Christmas ghost story. But then I really started wondering, why in the song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, it's the most wonderful, that song, it has a line in there that says, scary ghost stories of Christmases long, long ago. And uh, why, though? Why why throw that into a Christmas song? And it's like a one-off line, throwaway line, too, But that's what started me down this or opened up this rabbit hole when I started kind of like looking into it. And, uh, you know, it's part of a Christmas song and ultimately a Christmas tradition, it turns out. And it didn't take much research. I got to be honest with you, with a little bit of research, I had my answer. Because it turns out that back in the day, winter brought death. Yeah, that checks out. Cold temperatures equals more death. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Diseases. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. More death there, too. Sure, yeah. Shorter days, darker nights. Yep. More possibility for deaths. So people actually gathered around the fire to share ghost stories. It was actually a beloved Christmas tradition in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. There's a book by Jerome K. Jerome. Terrible name. Jerome, you have terrible parents. Um, it was titled... Uh, told after supper, and it had a piece at the beginning that said, 
Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about specters. So yeah, that's what people would do. They'd get together to talk about ghost stories. Christmas was the holiday to tell ghost stories. And you know what? Yeah, one of the best Muppet movies ever, The Muppet's Christmas Carol, is one of the best versions of, like, I don't know, like 1843 Charles Dickens story. Yeah, okay. Which, if you think about it, Christmas Carol or The Muppet's Christmas Carol, yeah, it's pretty paranormal. That story, along with a bunch of others from, like, the same time, really solidifies that ghost story at Christmas time info that I was looking for. Like the Turn of the Screw and the Raven, there are a couple more. In fact, everything about Christmas back in the day was pretty paranormal, pretty spooky, pretty ghost story. Like the Christmas cards. So if you like look at old like 1800s turn of the century Christmas cards, they aren't like the whole like Coca-Cola Christmas Santa kind of Christmas cards, but they're really morbid and weird shit like Weird bugs and frogs killing each other, or, I don't know, about just about every turn-of-the-century Christmas card was all these weird things, had absolutely nothing to do with Christmas as far as we know Christmas now, because it turns out that Victorians wanted their cards to serve as, quote, a shocking conversation starter. For instance, in English myths, robins and wrens were considered sacred species So if you see an old Christmas card of like robins and wrens fighting giant bugs and frogs and shit, it's because they're all sacred. According to John Grossman, author of Christmas Curiosities, Old, Dark, and Forgotten Christmas, images of dead birds might have been used to, quote, elicit Victorian sympathy and may reference common stories of poor children freezing to death at Christmas. Aw, isn't that a sweet Christmas card to receive? Hey, look, honey, the Maccabees sent us a Christmas card that makes me think of children freezing to death. Gotta thank them, I guess, if they don't die of hypothermia. Like, what the hell, man? And and speaking of that Coca-Cola version of Santa, um, well, turn-of-the-century people had them a little bit differently, too. Because when I started looking into this again, like I said, it takes very little research to look into it. And you really should take a look at Victorian Christmas cards if you don't know what I'm talking about, because they're all freaky Christmas cards. But even Santa, I found an English legend that teamed up Santa with the devil to figure out which children had been naughty. And obviously, which children had been nice. I mean, come on. And then how their fates should be carried out. I mean, it's obviously they had a plan here. And then, I've got, of course, there's Krampus. Hopefully, y'all know about Krampus. Kidnap, beat, disobedient children. There were cards that showed Santa spying on children through windows, but it's not like the jolly, like, I'm taking a list, or I'm writing a list, checking it twice, I'm looking through the window, better be good. No, it's like a pervy, creepy, Weird Santa. Like, if you saw this guy outside your children's window, you wouldn't think, oh, it's Santa. You'd think, I need to shoot that mofo. Um, Don't fucking shoot Santa. Um, But, although now I think about it, we've got Elf on a Shelf now, and that's creepy as crap when you think about it. So I guess maybe we haven't changed that much. Then, hold on, then, I found this stuff out. There are things like mistletoe, holly berries, wreaths, And Yule logs, Yule logs I kind of figured because it says Yule in it, they're all pagan symbols. Yep, that's right. Sorry, Christians. Christmas is another pagan holiday. I'm sure you all knew that. In fact, Puritan leaders tried to abolish Christmas at one point because there was no biblical basis for celebrating the day. They were shocked to find out that celebrations like Yuletide symbolically celebrated the death of light and the longest night of the year was considered to be the most haunted as the veil between the realms of the living and the dead was so thin. This blew my mind. If it wasn't for the fact that uh, traditions adopted by Irish and Scottish immigrants, that's what made America celebrate Halloween. And so the Puritans were like, ooh, yeah, okay, immigrants, you celebrate that spooky holiday. Let's throw all the spooky crap into that holiday And uh, maybe we could kind of make Christmas, I don't know, Christian? If it wasn't for Irish and Scottish immigrants, Puritans 
would have abolished Christmas. Why isn't that a Christmas music uh, movie? Come on, that's a Christmas movie waiting to happen. Throw Hugh Grant in there, Jude Law. Kids will love it. I don't. I can't think. Robin Pat, Robert Pattinson. Kids will love it. Um. So instead, they just toned down the spooky around Christmas time. They bumped it up at Halloween. Everyone was sort of happy and probably still dying off in the winter time. But so that explains why Christmas had so many ghost stories. But that doesn't help me with this episode. So once I got past that, like once I went down that rabbit hole, I was like, all right, that was cool. That was very PBS knowledgeable. But what about true ghost stories around Christmas time? Well, I found a bunch of those too. So sit down by the fire, grab your little elf on the shelf. You can take that to mean it any way you want. Um, basically, I meant grab the tiny elf on the shelf because he's trying to murder you and your family in, in your sleep. But uh, enjoy these Christmas ghost stories. Part one. That's right. This is the first. And don't worry. I've already written part two. So it's not going to take forever for the next episode to come out. Don't worry about that. But uh, give me one second. I'm going to take a quick drink, and then I'll tell you. A water, obviously. Then I'll tell you. <clears throat> See, I waited too long. Now I'm, I'm, now I'm parched. Then I'll tell you a Christmas ghost story. Okay. For this first one, we have Vera Stark. I suppose we should go back in time, because this is like 1800s-ish. We have Vera Stark, whose favorite thing to do in life was to pick pick flowers out front of her house wearing only a fur coat. Showing off her fur, if you get what I'm saying. Well, get this. If you go to the Stark Mansion in uh, Ludington, Michigan, there's a whole Stark family that you can still find. There were a bunch of wackos living in their manor. Now there are a bunch of wacko ghosts still seen there today. Yeah, if you go there, if you go to Ludington, Michigan, and you go to the Stark Mansion, you will still see her ghost flashing her fur out front to this day. Now, she's not the only ghost at that house. The ghost of one of the Stark daughters or sisters, it's hard to tell. Well, one of them committed suicide in the manor by hanging herself in the third floor or fourth floor gymnasium. She's seen wandering the halls of her place um, all over the place, like oh, the entire place. She's just wandering around. Um, and the now owners are saying she typically likes to do that when they're trying to give tours to their friends or, or family or other people. Like if, some, if someone comes over and they're like, hey, let me give you a tour of the house. They go up to the fourth floor and they're like, oh yeah, that's that damn Stark ghost. She killed herself in the gymnasium. Now, the current owners of the house even attempted to open up the house to historical tours, but they ran into problems, saying, Our spirits did not care for it to be open to the public and went wild. Yeah. You got one ghost flashing her minge outside, and you got another ghost that killed themselves inside wandering around the place. What do they mean by they went wild when you tried to open it up to the public? But you know what? If you want to see some ghost of a JJ for Christmas and you happen to be in Ludington, Michigan, or you can get over to Ludington, Michigan, I highly, highly recommend it because her ghost is seen there around Christmas time. That's right. You can see a ghost of a JJ for Christmas. No one saw that story coming. I guarantee you. No one's like, I wonder if Kurt's going to talk about Ghost for JJ's at Christmas time. Well, I did. All right, next up is one I mentioned a while ago, but it happened around Christmas time, so I wanted to mention it again. We go back to just before Christmas in 1878, when Edward F. Smith was at his home in Brooklyn, New York. Kurt here, I assume just staring at a wall or whatever it was that people did in the winter of 1878, when all of a sudden... His doorbell rang. So, you know, he goes to the door, and no one was there. Again, I have to guess this was the earliest doorbell ditch ever done. So good on them. Someone thought of it, and they were like, it's 1878. No, everyone will fall for this. So he goes back to wall staring, and it happens again. Now this time, he runs to the door. Yep, no one's there. And there's no footprints in the snow either. So expert-level doorbell ditching. Now, he's pissed, so he sprinkles a 
ash and flour along the path to the door. Going like, oh, I'm going to catch you kids. You know, I'm trying to stare at a wall. So he goes back to wall staring and yep, it happens again. He runs to the door, opens it up, throws it open. There are no footprints left behind. Not in the snow, not in the ash, not in the soot, not in the crap that he threw all over the flower. None of that. But he says, these substances were undisturbed and the noise continued. That's right. Now he's hearing weird noises throughout the house. And he said, no matter where he and his family stood around the house, the noises remained unidentifiable. I'm guessing he had like a rat in the wall that was chewing on some wires or something and that made the doorbell ring. But And that's why he heard the weird noises. But, you know, whatever. All right, cool. So he calls the police. The police come on over. Oh, sorry, before he calls the police. While he's like staring at the wall with his family, saying like, I don't know what those noises are. All of a sudden, instead of a doorbell, suddenly there's a loud banging on the door. Runs to the door, he throws it open. Yep, no one's there. Then he calls the police. So... Please come running over. While they're there, the noises, the banging, the ringing, it all kept happening. They'd all go outside and be like, what in the hell? So they stationed officers outside the house. And that's when the weirdest thing ever happened. A brick flew through his front window. Not by the cops, I assume. So no one could explain who did it or why. So I don't know. Kurt here, I'm going to guess it was the cops because why not? Cops are all dead. I think I'm safe. But um, yeah, and then it just went away. And he said it was the devil. You know, he went he went deep and went, oh, it must have been the devil. Devil's trying to get in while we're staring at walls. Um, and then that was it. To this day, that was the extent of the weird crap that happened on the Christmas in 1878 to Edward F. Smith at his home in Brooklyn, New York. So let's keep going. Up next, we go way back for this next one to the 1100s. They didn't even think to stare at walls back then. They hadn't even figured out, you know what we could do for fun? We could stare at a wall. Nope, this is the 1100s. They just stared at the floor and waited to die at like 30 years old or something. I don't know. Uh, But anyhow, back in the 1100s, there was a guy named Sir Geoffrey de Mandeville. He was the Earl of Essex. He was a major political influencer because, you know, he was rich. Well, Jeffrey chose the wrong side for the next person to sit on the throne. And when that person sat on the throne, he went, oh, no, 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 Jeffrey. And he stripped him of most of his money and belongings and excommunicated him from the church, which back in the 1100s, that was a deep burn. Like serious Game of Thrones type stuff with fewer dragons and probably less incest. So he's ousted. And while he was on the battlefield trying to reprove his loyalty, yep, he gets killed. And since he was excommunicated, he wasn't given a proper Christian burial. In fact, it said, quote, His body lay in Old Temple Holborn for 20 years without burial. Kurt here, after that long, is there even a body left to bury? If they just, like, threw him in some place, his body in Old Temple... Like, what's left of him? But supposedly there's something left of him because his body was finally wrapped in lead and buried by the members of the Knights Templar, waiting for the day that Nicolas Cage solves some clues and digs him up, probably. Uh, I don't know. Eventually, the Prior of Walden Priory, later Abbey in Essex, which uh, Jeffrey had founded and richly endowed, it says, well, they succeeded in getting the excommunication posthumously reversed and Jeffrey was given a proper tomb in the temple. Kurt here, cue the vengeful spirit shit. Now, sometimes, sometime before he died, he apparently left a curse on the properties he had owned, stating, should they ever be taken away from him, ruin would befall his betrayer, and every six years on Christmas Eve, he... And a headless dog would haunt the lands draped in a red cloak. That's a good curse. That is a, I personally wouldn't have chosen a headless dog, but still, that's a good curse. So, 
The first story that I could find is from 1926, when a Mr. Gibson, who was a night watchman guarding roadworks in Churchill Road, Barnet, he saw the ghost of Sir Geoffrey de Mandeville, Earl of Essex, as a skeleton clad in a metal breastplate and a black cape coming up, towards, coming up the road towards him. Kurt here, if it's just a skeleton, how do you know it was Sir Geoffrey? Was it six years? No, it wasn't six years later, because that was in the 1100s. This was 1926. What happened between the 1100s and 1926 that made this guy go, oh my God, it's Sir Geoffrey? Then, six years later, the evening news had a story with a party of local people, including a counselor, spending the night at a night watchman's hut in Churchill Road. Although nothing was seen, just after midnight, the party heard a rumbling like that of a many-hoof beast, and the ground shook. Look, Come on, guys. He's doing this every six years for you. The least you can do, step outside, wave to him. Hi, Sir Jeffrey, and then come back inside. You could have looked is what I'm saying. Well, guess what people have seen every six years basically since then? Yep. A headless dog breaking through the fog accompanied by a knight in full armor and a red cloak. So that's cool and all, and I'm all for that and good curse. And you, you know, you kept your word, even though I couldn't find anything prior to 1926, but maybe that was common. So they didn't think it was newsworthy, but, uh, why every six years, what is he and the headless dog doing the other five years? How lazy of a vengeful spirit do you have to be to not do it every year or at least every other year? I looked and I looked. I was trying to find, there was a bunch of reports. I get it. For a while there, every six years, someone was seeing or hearing something weird. Yep, those are the two big ones. But there were no reports of him or his dog in 2016, which was supposed to be the next time he was supposed to be seen, or in 2022. So I guess he retired? And since he can't keep his own schedule, let's move on to another headless ghost. That's right. That was headless ghost number one, even though it was a headless dog, but still, it counts. That's headless ghost number one. For this next one, we go to Roos Hall. It's a mansion in the English countryside built in the 16th century where a headless horseman has been seen. I already told you it was coming, guys. Numerous visitors to Roos Hall have reported a man on a horse riding towards them on the road, only to discover... He's got no head, which even in England is a bit strange, apparently. I asked my friend from England, I was like, hey, how weird is it to see someone coming down the road to you and they got no head? And she's like, that's pretty weird. And I'm like, all right, that's what I thought. Same here, same in America. Good on you. Now, he's mostly seen on Christmas Eve. So again, Christmas ghost. He's seen, quote, clattering down the driveway with his phantom coach and four horses. Now, he goes across the lawn from Roos Hall. Boom, into Groose Hall, and then boom, 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 away. But check this out. Across that lawn is a giant oak tree, which now has a fence preventing anyone from getting too close to it. Why is it fenced off? Well, because before the tree was planted, stood a gibbet in his place. Is it gibbet or is it gibbet? No idea. I'm going to say gibbet. I don't know, is it gibbet? I have no idea. A gibbet was once a form of public execution, which involved the unfortunate person being locked into a metal cage and left to die from exposure to the elements. Before I get a bunch of people writing to me saying, come on, Kurt, it's obviously gibbet. You gotta, you're, you're saying it wrong. Uh, it's gibbet. Let's let's have someone say it to my face. Gibbet. What, what was that, lady? Gibbet. You're saying it was? Gibbet. One more time. Gibbet. Okie dokie. It's definitely gibbet. Okay. See, there you go, guys. It's not me. It's a gibbet. Public execution, locked in a metal cage, left to die from exposure to the elements, or hanged, apparently. So, there. Now you can tell your families you want a gibbet for Christmas. Now, uh, the gibbet on the grounds of Roos Hall facilitated the death of hundreds of local criminals and was eventually replaced by the oak tree, which, that's an upgrade for the, for the town. You don't want a gibbet just out there all the time. Uh, but a uh, unfortunately, that oak tree, well, they use that to just hang people. A lady dressed in white can be seen at the spot where she died, walking around the tree six times in an attempt to summon the devil. So we got a debit, or we got a gibbet. 
We got the devil. We got a lady in white ghost. We got a lot going on. But I found this historical record of Roos Hall. In 1603, the heir to Roos Hall, also called Thomas, well, yeah, it's his name, he figured in the court of insolvency and the estate was lost and the family dispersed, their fortunes lost. The hall went to Sir John Suckling, terrible name, who was the secretary of the state before being sold to Thomas Reed for 12,106 pounds. By 1909, the hall was owned by Mr. F.W.D. Robinson. In the EDP of that year, on January 26, 1909, a mysterious, a mysterious story was told involving Christmas ghosts of a different nature. A good deal of interest has been aroused Beckles by the statement of two laborers in the employ of Mr. F.W.D. Robinson of Roos Hall, Beckles. They have seen an apparition in the neighborhood, the article read. Benjamin Benz said that he's seen it four times since last November, while Robert Elvin, his next-door neighbor, said he first saw it on the first time a week before Christmas and again on Monday night, the 18th, about 8 o'clock, when he was walking the Benz towards Beckles. They both agree that the ghost was of a very shadowy appearance that passed, very, passed them very swiftly on the low road leading to Shipmeadow Lock, now Gelderson Lock, and mysteriously disappeared. They described it as about 5 foot 9 inches in height with a nicely cut features like a woman. On each occasion that uh, Elvin saw the phantom, it appeared to come from Ashman's plantation over the hill to Low Road. Ben says it brushed past him once he was coming to Beckles, and another time when he met, he, when he met it, the form disappeared over a five-barred gate into a plowed field. Both maintain the suggestion that it was flesh and blood... And they maintain that what they saw was an apparition. It was flesh and blood. All right. And maintain that what they saw was an apparition. And Ben's added, we don't wish to see it anymore. We don't wish to see it anymore. There you go. There's your little accent for it. So, yeah. Roos Hall, if you happen to be in England, you want to go to Roos Hall around Christmas time because ghosts, plural, ghost plural, have been seen here around Christmas time for a while now, and even written about back in the day in 1909. Now, I'm not done with Roos Hall yet because away from that tree and towards the building itself, visitors have also seen a different ghost. They said they are startled by the face of a young, pale girl waving from one of the first floor windows. Oh, and there are strange markings inside the hall known as the devil's footprint. So yeah, this place has got everything, devil stuff. Keep going. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep moving, people. Uh, let's move on to this next one. This one's a bit more recent and closer to home for me. It's Alcatraz. The location of the best scene in So I Married an Axe Murderer. And also the location of the best movie starring Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Well, The Rock closed down in 1963. But back in the 40s, while the facility was still in operation, the warden at the time, Warden Johnston, decided to throw a small Christmas party at his boarding house on the island. During the gathering, a few of the guards began talking about a ghost that had appeared before them, wearing, quote, a gray suit, brim cap, and sporting mutton-chop sideburns. All the, ghosts could, all the guards could do was stare at the ghost, and then uh, before they had a chance to, to move or run away, the room suddenly turned very cold, and the fire in the Ben Franklin stove was extinguished by the ghost. Just as suddenly as he appeared, the ghost disappeared. Yep. Another throwback to, I think, maybe a patron-only Christmas story. I don't know. But if you hadn't heard that one, now you have. If you have heard that one, thanks for being a loyal listener, I guess. This time, let's go back to England. Let's go back to England um, to an event that occurred one Christmas Eve in the late 18th century. Now, grain of salt on this one. There's only a few details. Um, so here it is in all of its way too many legend says glory. I'm going to read it to you exactly how it says. They say legend or legend says way too many times for me, but here we go. According to legend, there was once a fearsome highwayman named Gilbert who would wander up and down one of the town's main roads. On Christmas Eve on... One year, a man and his daughter were traveling in a horse-drawn carriage when Gilbert apprehended them. The daughter was able to exit the coach, but before her father could disembark, the horses became startled and bolted down the road with the man and the, co and the coachman in tow. The two men struggled to get the horses back under control so they could go back and find the man's daughter, who had been left behind with Gilbert. 
However, when they arrived back at the scene, she was nowhere to be found. Instead, they saw Gilbert hunched over on the ground with a dagger in his side. Rumors claim that once the coach took off down the road, Gilbert revealed to the girl that there was that it was he who was the one who took her brother's life sometime before. Thrown into a rage by revelation, legend says she stabbed him and fled the scene. Local legends say that Gilbert was buried by the side of the road, and legend says every Christmas Eve he can be seen wandering that same road, waiting for the coach with the man and his daughter to pass by again. Kurt here. Hey, Gilbert, they're dead. They've been dead. You can stop waiting. Plus, even if they weren't dead, I'm sure they used a different road to keep away from your legend says creepy ass, okay? That's it. That's the whole that's the whole Gilbert story. So, finally, one last one. Let's go to Kent in England to the Heaver Castle, the home of the infamous Anne Boleyn. That's right, the Anne Boleyn. This Christmas, see, it's a Christmas story already. Now, this Christmas one is a very short one. She lived there at Haver Castle before she married King Henry VIII. And, uh, oh, hey, look, another headless story. I just put that two together. Wow, oh, look, there's going to be a headless ghost. Anne Boleyn's ghost with head is seen at Haver Castle every Christmas Eve. Rumors persist that, sh- that her, quote, somber specter is seen drifting silently over the picturesque bridge that spans the River Eden in the grounds of the home where she knew much happiness before she was beheaded. And I'm sure that happiness ended right around the time that she was about to be beheaded. But sure. Anyhow, Anne's ghost is seen a bunch of places the rest of the year. So if you want to see her at Christmas time, you got to go to Heaver Castle. You'll see her. She's got her head. You can be like, oh, there she is. And, you know, wave to her because she's got a head. She can see you. But the rest of the year, she's seen at, oh, I don't know. How about... The Tower of London, where she was beheaded. A captain of the guard saw a light flickering in the Lock Chapel Royal last night, uh, late one night. So he he goes there by climbing up a ladder, and he saw a procession of knights and ladies dressed in ancient costumes pacing the chapel, led by Anne Boleyn, with a head. Also, in 1864, a soldier on duty near the lieutenant's lodgings saw Anne's ghost. Here's his story. Uh, he claimed to have confronted and challenged a white figure, and when his challenge met no response, he plunged, plunged his bayonet into the figure. To his complete shock, the weapon did not meet flesh instead. It went straight through the woman. So basically, this guy, like, I get it. He's a captain of the guard. He's or he's a soldier, so he's, like, on duty, and he's all kind of tense because, you know, royal family and stuff. But he sees a, he sees a figure... And he's like, hey, you stop right there. And the figure didn't stop. So he's like, that's it. I'm going to bayonet her. Obviously a woman. And then it just went through her and then he freaked out. Uh, All right. Anyhow, according to the traditional story, an officer lodged in the bloody tower saw the whole event take place from his window. And he's like, yep, that soldier wasn't lying. That woman went right bayonet. Nothing happened to her. But back to Anne. Anne's ghost is also seen at Windsor Castle. She's been seen standing at the window in the Dean's Cloister at Windsor Castle. Another eyewitness said uh, they saw Anne Boleyn running down a corridor screaming. So she's actually been seen at Windsor Castle with both her head and sometimes clutching her head. Anne's also seen at the Hampton Court. I'm I'm assuming that's not like a cheap hotel, even though it sounds like it. Uh, The Hampton Court wearing a blue or black dress, sometimes headless. She's also seen at Rockford Hall. I had to look this place up because I was like, what the hell's Rockford Hall? Rockford Hall in Essex is a manor house, which some say is the real place King Henry VIII first met Anne Boleyn. There's even rumors of a secret tunnel system beneath the home that King Henry Henry VIII used as his, quote, discreet escape route from the home. According to a previous owner of Rockford Hall, There are stories of sightings of a headless lady and feelings of extreme cold in one of the rooms. And finally, the very busy ghost of Anne has also been seen at Blickling Hall in Norfolk, her her birthplace. Uh, She's seen arriving in a phantom carriage drawn by a headless coachman and four headless horses clutching her severed head. 
On arrival, the carriage and the horses disappear, but Anne is seen roaming the corridors and the grounds until sunrise. This sighting occurs every year on the anniversary of her execution, May 19th. Whew, that's a whole lot. Yeah, um, look, it sounds like you've got great odds of seeing Anne Boleyn's ghost. You just have to choose if you would like head or no head. No, not like, you know, come on, guys. You, you know what I meant. Not like that. Um, honestly, you guys are pervs. Uh, so that about does it for part one. But like I said, part two is already written. It's not going to be in two weeks. Don't worry till the next episode. I'll have the next episode out. Even with the busy work schedule, I'll have the next episode out next week on schedule. Um, well, there you go. If you, if you're going to go see Anne Boleyn's ghost, do you want to see her ghost with head or her ghost headless? See, that's a better way of saying it. Um, which one would you rather see? Or which ghost would you rather see? you got a lot of Christmas ghosts, people. And if you have any Christmas ghost stories, please send them to me at paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Ghost edition. I can't get the, I can't get the jingle bells to go quick enough. I tried. Jingle bell, jingle bell. Skate to a gabacus. I get rid of